Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. Westholm, which is based in Queensland and the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about macaroni and cheese. Ah! Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, I love mac and cheese. Um, many of you have recommended this one most recently, Meredith, but I know a bunch oh, of you over have. the over the years, it's been legion the requests yes. for this episode. The mac and cheese has been legion. Uh, <laughs> yes, and it is one of my very favorite comfort foods, which is appropriate mm-hmm. because Lauren, my quarantine anniversary is coming up, March thirteenth. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I have a box of mac and cheese set aside. Oh, yes. That's a little bit weird, but beautiful. (laughs) I feel that's, yes, I will take that. Um, (laughs) So growing up, my siblings and I each had a favorite type of mac and cheese, which cracks me up. Like it was all the craft mac and cheese, but I like the shells and my little brother likes shapes. He thought the cheese got in the crevices more. Yeah, yeah. And then my older brother was a classic elbow macaroni and cheese type. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, It just cracks me up because they're essentially the same, and it's kind of just how your cheese is getting coated, I feel. No, but that's an important part of the texture. So It is. You know, 
Mm-hmm. I'm glad you can appreciate this. I- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and my mom used to make, I know a lot of a lot of you will think this is blasphemous, but she used to make a fancy summer mac and cheese. And it had... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Fancy summer mac and cheese. It was a summer. <laughs> yeah, the, no, that's... Uh, please, please continue. I need to know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of like those spiralized elbow pasta. Fancy. Okay. Um, zucchini, squash, tomatoes, onions, and spicy peppers. Oh, wow. But so like good. with like the craft packet, mm-hmm. or like was it made with a different cheese sauce? I believe it was Velveeta. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was a good day whenever she made that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and those uh, single serving mac and cheese cups, those were a staple of my college years. Mm-hmm. That mm. and ramen, which I've through researching this, I've learned is very common in the United States college experience. Yeah, yeah. Those uh I was I was just out of college when they debuted those those cups, but for sure ramen was a staple of my yes. diet. Mm. Which I still love. I still love ramen. Oh yeah. Oh God, I feel so lucky that <laughs> that I didn't have mac and cheese cups available to me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and I really strongly remember how mac and cheese was the first thing I was able to stomach after I had the swine flu. I Aww. remember this so viscerally. And it was the box stuff, but it was so warm. It was so savory. It was so comforting. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Delicious. And also, twice when I was sort of homesick and living abroad— in two separate instances, a friend made me what they called an American dinner, which included things like peanut butter, pizza, spaghetti, and mac and cheese. <laughs> yes. I am still delighted by this every time I hear about it. Like, I'm very confused, but very delighted. Yes. I love I love that spaghetti and pizza, as we've talked about, like, the origin is not so American, but, no. like, <laughs> that's no. what... Both these people thought. And, you know, I just got to put it in here. It always bums me out. In the film Home Alone. Okay. When Kevin makes the mac and cheese and then doesn't get to eat it. He's so meticulous in his planning of his traps. He's got his well-drawn-out maps. And then he knows they're coming at 9 p.m. And he puts the mac and cheese down right at 9. What? (laughs) You've got to plan around your mac and cheese better than that. I'm sorry. Uh, don't treat it like an afterthought, Kevin. Jeez. Come on, Kevin. He said a prayer over it. He had his glass of milk. Yeah. You it, know? I'm getting angry. <laughs> I this is not a detail that I recall from the Home Alone film, but I am I am glad that you have brought it to light. It is a travesty and it's not talked about enough. I think <laughs> I think we can all learn something here. Prioritize yourself. I mean, yes, creating deadly traps for 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 harmless burglars. Um, Yes, but but also make sure you're make sure you're you're uh, got self care. Yeah, you got to feed yourself. Mac and cheese. Yeah, and he went to a lot of trouble to get that mac and cheese. <laughs> All right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mac and cheese is also one of my very favorite foods. 
it's something that if I'm like, and and this is like, like, like not to like bring the party down, but like I have days sometimes when I'm like, Ugh, I can't eat food. Why? All the time, every day, more than once a day, do we have to eat food? I'm a food <laughs> podcaster. I know I it's ridiculous, but you know, but I just get so in my head and sad that I'm just like, I don't want to eat. <laughs> but I can usually trick myself into eating mac and cheese. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I try not to do this. It is, it is something I recognize in myself where I get annoyed with picky people. I know that's a problem of mine. But mm-hmm. if people, like I have a good friend and she told me she doesn't care for mac and cheese. She didn't say she didn't like it. She okay. just said she didn't care for it. And like I had to tamp down on the immediate <laughs> like anger I felt wow. at that. And I was like, I, I like stepped back. <laughs> what? You, you, we took were, it, you took it personally. I did. And my dad always say, he used to say, don't tip. Don't take it personally. But oh. I did. Hmm. I did. We were at a food event where you share dishes. So it was kind of a, you know, we were compromising. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, you know, th- then it is personal. Yeah. It, that's why I don't think I would have been as... Uh, shaken otherwise but I was like wait we're not gonna I just assumed that was an automatic yeah <laughs> the mac and cheese right sure of course yes. well well when in the incredible future we are able to to hang out at the kind of event where we have to share dishes again I I promise Annie I will always be your backup on the mac and cheese yes mac and cheese <laughs> backup <laughs> And we've talked around mac and cheese and craft specifically a lot. Uh, some episodes that come to mind are our uh, 50 Shapes of Pasta episode and our cheddar episode, processed cheese and queso. But today, we are not talking about those things. Yeah, plenty in the backlog if you want to get into it. But this brings us to our question. Yes, mac and cheese. What is it? Well, uh, mac and cheese is a dish made up of a pasta in a cheese sauce, served warm. The pasta can vary. The cheese sauce can vary. The cooking methods can vary. I would say that there are two kind of like base varietals of mac and cheese. Um, You've got the type that you make uh, on the stovetop or in the microwave from a package that contains dried noodles and a packet of like cheese sauce or cheese sauce starter. Um, And then you have the second type um, that you make on the stovetop and or in the oven by cooking noodles and making your own cheese sauce. And there can be overlap. There's a little bit of a genetic confusion, I would say, in between these. For sure, like the mac and cheese that my dad made for dinner when I was a kid was not prepackaged, but it was like he would just like make rotini and take like a jar of cheese whiz, like pasteurized processed cheese food product, and like just scoop the cheese whiz onto the cooked pasta. Like maybe some really? butter, maybe some butter on there to like help cohese the <laughs> the, the, the 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 sauce, but um, but yeah, that was it. Wow. Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz. Yeah, that that was his preferred brand over like a block of uh, Velveeta or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, not not the kind that comes like in a spray can. It wasn't like a spray can oh, of Cheese Whiz. That's probably okay. what you're thinking of. Yes, yeah, I am. <laughs> it was it was analogous to a block of Velveeta. Okay. Yeah. Got it. 
If you are making, however, the cheese sauce from scratch, um, there are, I mean, any number of ways to accomplish that, but the sort of traditional is by making a Mornay sauce, which is the French way of saying a thick, creamy cheese sauce. So you start by making a roux, uh, which is a, a flour plus fat, usually butter, cooked to start breaking down the flour. Then you add milk to make a bechamel, um, which is nice and creamy, and then add cheese to make it a Mornay, which is uh, thicker and richer. And as we've talked about in nachos and uh, queso, uh, achieving a truly smooth incorporated cheese sauce can be difficult because many cheeses don't melt completely evenly, but rather the, the fats and the other stuff will separate out and make sauces go kind of oily and lumpy. Um, so it's sort of a hack as with nachos and queso. You can add some specialized ingredients that help emulsify the mixture, make it make it nice and, nice and even, um, like sodium citrate. And yeah, uh, d different recipes for mac and cheese may include um, some some cheese added to the top, or like really like a lot of extra mixed into the sauce. Um, you can you can do it with all kinds of cheeses. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, I think oh, or yeah. orange cheddar is is perhaps the one that we all think of when we think of mac and cheese. Although Mornay is usually a white sauce. But this brings us to my sub question to our question which is, why is the packaged stuff often so violently orange? Tell me why, Lauren. Well, um, we discussed this in detail in our cheddar episode, but essentially the answer is cheese fraud in the 1600s. Cheese fraud. <laughs> dun dun. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this, this happened because uh, a you know, uh, when you when you age a cheddar, um, it becomes yellow to orange over time um, because uh, molecules of beta carotene are are released over time, and that beta carotene gets in there when the cows that provided the milk that made the cheese were being fed fresh grass or were grazing on fresh grass. I guess you don't like usually take a handful and feed it to a cow. <laughs> At any rate, um, yeah, uh, so. This color was considered a uh, mark of quality in cheddars in the 1600s in England. And uh, all of a sudden, people figured out that they could dye their cheese yellow to make it look like it was higher quality. Mm -hmm. And and it just kind of snowballed from there. Like we still, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah. Violently it's orange. <laughs> It cracks me up because in the weird, strange way of history, now if I see like two mac and cheeses side by side, I'm going to assume, right or wrongly, that the fancier, nicer, higher quality one is the one that is not the orange color. Right. This is the flip yeah. of why that all started. <laughs> yeah, because you because you know that it's just food dye if it's mm -hmm. If it's orange, there's no reason for it to be orange, but yeah. There we are. I um I I have a I have a kind of a bad reaction to annatto, which is one of the uh natural colorings that they use to make uh products that color orange. Um mm. so I always go for the white cheddar ones. Yeah. Oh. Mm -hmm. I love them. So good. Oh, oh, so good, so good. But yes, if you are not making your own sauce. These packages can come in a couple different sub-varieties. There's your powdered cheese variety, to which you generally have to add 
an ingredient or two at home, it's like usually recommended that you add some some milk or some butter to kind of uh, make make the sauce all all nice and creamy and come together. You can just use water though most of the time. And uh, then you've got the type that come with uh, with usually these days little packets, little like a uh, mylar foil plastic packets of ready ready cheese cheese yes. that you don't need to add anything to. Mm-hmm. It's so gooey. Oh, it's so good. Yes. <laughs> it it yes. doesn't it doesn't entirely taste like cheese, but it tastes like dreams. <laughs> it tastes like dreams. <laughs> I you know, I don't even know what kind I picked out, so I'm excited to see. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just, you know, I was just trying to get out of there as quick as possible, so I'm oh. like, get it into the cart. Um, so (laughs) I shall see. I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's good. Oh my gosh. Now I'm overwhelmed with intense curiosity and concern that is not (laughs) mac and cheese. (laughs) Oh dear. Oh wow. Well, I'll Hmm. face that after this podcast recording. Uh, let's talk about the nutrition. Uh, okay. It highly depends on what varietal and ingredients you are talking (laughs) about here. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, cheese is a calorie-dense food. That's rather the idea. Um, Pasta tends to contain a lot of carbs without having a lot of fiber. And and mac and cheese tends to be a heavily salted dish. Um, Processed cheeses tend to be less calorie-dense, but also less nutrient-dense and usually a little bit even more saltier. I mean, mac and cheese is is going to fill you up and help keep you going. I would say that if you're uh, having a type made from um, unprocessed cheeses, uh, you know, homemade sauce probably, watch your serving size, uh, eat a vegetable. Um, and if you are having a processed cheese type, still watch your serving size and eat a vegetable, but also consider balancing with like a little bit of extra protein. Oh, see what I'm going to have to do because I'm at the end of my grocery cycle, mm, uh-huh. is all I have left is the mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, <laughs> and lima beans. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's my huh. meal. <laughs> no, that sound, that, has, that honestly sounds great. I mean, you know, like, like, that sounds like a terrific meal. To me, it does. I think it's not what you would typically put together, perhaps, but it's going to work, and I'm excited. I feel like there has to be like a like a Swanson's kids meal out there that has exactly <laughs> those ingredients. Oh, you're right. It is such a childish meal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm always really proud of myself when I trick myself into eating mac and cheese, and I also realize that I've got like frozen spinach or something. Yeah. And then then I'm like, yes, I am an adult almost, kind of, sort of. See, there's spinach. (laughs) Vegetable is happening. (laughs) Oh, um, we do have a whole bunch of numbers for you. We do. Okay, so about a million boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese are sold a day. Yeah, and when you open that up to other brands uh, aside from Kraft, um, in, or I mean including Kraft, it's 2 million boxes of mac and cheese a day in the United States alone. Ooh. Or probably more because that number is from 2013. And yes, uh, demand for mac and cheese has risen with the pandemic. Somewhere around 35% in Canada, at least. And it is popular in Canada. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. Um, where it's called Craft Dinner, or KD. So good. Um, (laughs) 
Canada accounts for about 24% of box macaroni sold a week. 24%. It's 1.7 million of 7 million per week. And that's 55% more than Americans? What? Huh. What? Okay. Well, good job. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe I'm not doing my part in this. Mm. If I have to eat more mac and cheese, I will. (laughs) (laughs) It is one of the top-selling grocery items in Canada. Also popular in the UK, where it's called macaroni cheese and or cheesy pasta. And I love this because this is like, I, f- I got the same feeling reading that as I did when I realized like a few years after having originally picked up some of the Harry Potter books that like, oh, that's where creepy pasta comes from. Oh, <sighs> spellotape yeah. is because they call it cellotape over there. Okay. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't picked up on that either. There you go. When we were first researching this, I say as if we were researching it together, but, you know. <laughs> it was. I I was confused by the many articles that just called it macaroni cheese, and at first I thought it was a uh, typo, but now oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Also popular in Black Southern cuisine and traditions. Mm-hmm. And shapes. SpongeBob is the one that comes to my mind. Uh, oof, yeah. Uh, from my from my childhood, I'm like I'm like I'm pretty sure there were Ninja Turtle shapes or something. That it seems likely. Uh, but yeah, yeah right now, um, Kraft offers uh Paw Patrol shapes, unicorn shapes, and a uh, Frozen Two shapes. <gasps> oh, oh. I'm sorry. I have seen those. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so intrigued by that whole process. Like, do you have to make a whole machine? Um, it's probably a specific die for the machine because um, as we talked about in our pasta shape episode, and if any of y'all um, do listen to the Sporkful, you or, or follow Dan Pashman on social media, um, uh, he's doing this ongoing series about his quest to make his own pasta shape. And so he's got a lot of really great content out right now about, um, I just called it content, heck. Uh, That's (laughs) really industry of me. I'm sorry. Um, He's got a lot of great material out right now about how pasta is made and manufactured. Um, But uh, but so, yeah, yeah. uh, The the basics of how you get a pasta shape is that you uh, make the dough and then you push it through this machine and cut it off uh, through, 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 through a die, through a through a shaped thing like Play-Doh, right? And mm-hmm. then you cut it off with a blade and that's your pasta shape. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, just, I imagine it's, you know, not, not free, but not too expensive. Okay. I'd love to be the person who designed those and it's like a oh, business right? card. Have you seen my work in the newest of macaroni <laughs> and cheese frozen two shapes? <laughs> 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 that brings me to a philosophical question. Is it still macaroni and cheese if the pasta is no longer macaroni in shape? And I was thinking about this when you were talking about add-ins to macaroni and cheese, because of course people add any number of things into macaroni and cheese, but like, but sort of similar to my feelings about like, well, if you add more than like two ingredients to like a grilled cheese sandwich, it's no longer a grilled cheese sandwich. It's mm-hmm. a something else and cheese sandwich that has been grilled. Right. And and I feel like Americans especially, maybe maybe it's everywhere, play fast and loose with the definition of mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> all kinds of things. I made mac and cheese cups for our very own D&D sessions back when we had, had those them in, in person. person. Yeah. And they had, I think they had bacon and maybe mushrooms. And then they were topped with fresh Gruyere. Oh, those were good. They were good. Man. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think it is still mac and cheese without the macaroni. I think that um, as as we will get into on our history sections, the term macaroni itself has changed so much over the years and meant so many things. So. Macaroni has transcended the macaroni. It has. Oh. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> um, and then, of course, macaroni and cheese festivals really push the lines of this philosophical question. <laughs> I have been mm-hmm. to one. It was a lot. It was delicious. But a lot. Yeah, that sounds like... I, <laughs> I think there were 28 options. Oh, my it, heck. Yeah. That's... That, yeah. Yes, you can't see the face I'm making, but it's one of intense regret, but also pride. Yeah, I, both of us just look kind of, like, worried. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good word for it. <laughs> um, and there are entire mac and cheese restaurants. Uh, so... Yes, people have been playing fast and loose, and clearly people love mac and cheese and have loved it throughout time. Yes, and we will get into that history, but first we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, West Holmes sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Holmes offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. 
The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, as said at the top, see our cheese episodes. For for more context on this one, and especially cheese and cheese uh-huh. making. Yes. But in brief, um, cheese making has been around for thousands of years, uh, possibly an accidental discovery, but certainly a helpful one in terms of increasing the shelf life of a protein product like dairy. Pasta, on the other hand, oh, people like to debate this one. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> but... Probably originated in either Japan or China in 3500 BCE and traveled with merchants on the Silk Road to the Middle East and Africa. Um, It was probably introduced by merchants from these regions to Italy during the 7th century CE, and from there it spread throughout Europe. Separate episodes, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, in extreme brief. In the extreme brief, uh, the word macaroni is possibly thousands of years old, going back to when ancient Greeks established Neapolis and what is now modern-day Naples, sometime between 2000 and 1000 BCE. The locals there made a dish called makaria, which I really love the sound. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but I love the sound of how I just pronounced it. <laughs> um, maybe maybe more like macaria or macaria. Well, that sounds like the Macarena. That's a different vibe than Macaria. But you're right. It could be. It does sound like a fantasy goddess. And it was potentially named after a Greek goddess. Yeah. It was a barley flour pasta cooked with water, however it was pronounced. It was later corrupted in Italian to mascheroni, probably. Again, kind of uh, lost to history. Mm -hmm. But that word, in either case... For a long time, meant pasta at large. It was kind of a catch-all. But okay, mac and cheese. 
Yeah. Yeah. The origins of macaroni and cheese are also a bit mysterious. Some historians suspect it originated in Northern Europe, um, that perhaps Swiss Alpine herders were the originators of this dish, or the Swiss precursor to it called Alpine herders macaroni, which was uh, essentially elbow pasta tossed with the local cheese like Gruyere. And you can still get it to this day um, in, in Switzerland and Northern Europe. And to me, that does sound like mac and cheese. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> uh-huh. That's it. That's it right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Alpine herders needed to pack light and dry pasta didn't weigh much. Um, and they made the cheese themselves. Ah. Resulting in this fortifying dish that I am imagining. I can't believe I've never had mac and cheese while hiking. Um, perfect for a cold and physically taxing environment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. The first known recorded recipe for a macaroni and cheese dish dates back to 1769. It was from Elizabeth Raffald's book, The Experienced Housewife, with a sauce made of cheddar and bechamel tossed with noodles and topped with toasted breadcrumbs and parmesan. Or was it? Oh. Ah, because it could have been earlier. Some sources Mm -hmm. point to a 13th century Italian recipe written in Latin calling for small two-inch or five-centimeter squares of sheet pasta cooked in water and then covered with cheese, possibly grated Parmesan. There were two recipes in this book, in fact, um, macaroni Romaneschi and macaroni Siciliani. And just to note, the book that contained these recipes was published in the Italian-speaking area of Switzerland. So it kind of maybe gives credence to that other theory. Um, it seems to once again come down to how you define macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but cheese is good. Pasta is good. <laughs> Agreed. People, people were probably combining it in, in various iterations in places where both of those things were available. Indeed. If they were smart, they were. <laughs> um, <laughs> this book also had recipes for um, and methods for making hollow pasta, including wrapping dough around a stick. But these noodles were typically much longer than the short elbow macaroni that we think of. In 1861, Mrs. Beaton's Book of Household Management included a recipe for cooked quote, pipe-shaped pasta topped with toasted Parmesan and or Cheshire cheese and breadcrumbs. Beaton claimed that macaroni was a, quote, favorite food of Italy and that they, quote, regard it as a staff of life. Mm. It said staff. I thought it was a typo and maybe stuff. No, sure, like like, like, a, like a staff of life, like it, like it holds, it holds <gasps> life up. Oh. Remember the kale scepter? If I got a kale scepter and a macaroni staff and I get a, I. Oh. I feel like we're designing like a, like a suite of tarot at this point. Ooh, I think we might be. Oh, interesting. <laughs> terrifying food tarot. <laughs> <laughs> powerful. Doesn't it be terrifying? It could be both. Sure. Um. Well, soon after Mrs. Beaton said this, hmm. uh, Alexandra Dumas's 1873 work, Grand Dictionnaire de Cuisine, also claimed that the birthplace of macaroni and cheese was, in fact, Italy. He even went on to claim that Catherine de' Medici was responsible for introducing the dish to France and neighboring countries in the 1530s. However, Dumas himself was not a fan of macaroni and cheese, at least as the stories go. Um, he allegedly called it 
long pipes of pity. <laughs> wow, we've had a lot of good harsh disses on food in the yeah. most recent episodes. Long pipes of pity. Um, And yeah, as the tale goes, he disliked this dish so much he got in a fight with Italian composer Gioacchino Rossini, who composed the William Tell Overture. After he requested Rossini, a big proponent of macaroni and cheese, make the dish for Dumas, but then Dumas refused to eat it. Wow. That's a low blow. That is. That's petty. Like, hey, would you make me this thing? I don't know if I like it. Would you make it for me? Not going to eat that. Not going to eat that. Wow. Jokes on you. Mm -hmm. That is salty, Alexander Dumas. Holy heck. (laughs) Yes. Salty. Pasta was certainly popular in Italy during the 17th and 18th centuries. Wheat was affordable, industrialization made pasta production easy, and pasta itself was filling and a good alternative to meat when meat was prohibited on various days for the church-going crowds for religious reasons. Um, However, there are no records of hollow pastas in Naples in the 14th century, and from what I read, that's telling because they kept pretty good records about their pastas. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the Italian recipes for macaroni in the 1700s were a bit sweeter and spicier than what we'd expect these days, featuring ingredients like cinnamon, sugar, and rose water. Meanwhile, the dish in the Alps was far simpler, often just pasta, butter, cream, and cheese. Some 1731 documents from the archives of a Swiss abbey detailed people using a thread press machine to make hollow macaroni pasta. And an 1836 cookbook from that region included a recipe for macaroni that called for baking pasta with Parmesan or Swiss Emmental cheese. I didn't know how to look that up. I always said elemental. And then I realized that's (laughs) That's, not how it's spelled. That's definitely not how it's spelled. (laughs) It's probably not how it's pronounced. (laughs) Yes. Glad I checked. Um, Switzerland's first cheese factory opened in 1838. According to some sources, the first known commercial production of elbow macaroni did take place in Switzerland in 1872. Now, shifting... Um, Macaroni and cheese in America may have evolved from pasta casseroles served at New England church suppers, recipes brought over from England, until the Industrial Revolution made pasta making easier and cheaper. Dishes like this would have been, for the most part, reserved for the upper class. Yeah, uh, and the amount of uh, milk and butter and cheese that you might put into a dish like this would also have been cost prohibitive uh, before the Industrial Revolution. Right. Um... Thomas Jefferson, yes, that guy, uh, (laughs) gets a lot of credit Uh. for (laughs) introducing mac and cheese to the U.S., which he definitely didn't. Um, He did popularize it here after he brought the recipe back from one of his trips to France or possibly Italy or probably both, Mm -hmm. along with a pasta-making machine, which was necessary since... Yes, this pasta was not available in the U.S. on sort of this commercialized Or widely available, sure, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, It was his enslaved chef, James Hemings, and other enslaved folks that cooked it, however. So he's like doubly doesn't deserve the credit. Yeah. Um, In 1802, President Thomas Jefferson served macaroni and cheese at a state dinner, 
One attendee of this dinner was not impressed, describing, quote, a pie called macaroni, which appeared to be a rich crust filled with the trillions of onions or shallots, which I took it to be, tasted very strong and not agreeable. Not agreeable. Not agreeable. <laughs> well, I will say that Mary Rudolph, who, uh, who stepped in as the White House hostess after Jefferson's wife Martha uh, passed away, did include later on when she, she wrote her cookbook, The Virginia Housewife, in 1924, a recipe for um, uh, macaroni and Parmesan cheese. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to kind of like a side question here. Why all of this Parmesan in some of these yeah. recipes? Certainly in America, Parmesan was, and kind of still is, like a fancy imported cheese. So super, super classy, you know. Um, Some of the first cheeses made in America by English colonists were cheddars, though, um, and cheddar would have been much more available. So this is a mystery of history? I, you know, it's a, it's a, I haven't looked deep enough into (laughs) the availability (laughs) of different cheeses in America at the time. It's like right there. It just isn't, it just isn't quite together yet, you know. Another cheese hole for you, Lauren. Uh, (laughs) So many, all the time. All the time. They never stop. You have had, you've had multiple sub-questions in this episode. I, uh, I like it. There's a lot to think about. There is a lot to think about. Many side quests. And we will one day return Hmm. and think about it further. (laughs) But... Meanwhile, mac and cheese was popular among enslaved peoples, particularly in the South. It was sometimes viewed as a celebration or weekend food. But as time went on and after the emancipation, it became an everyday food. Mm -hmm. Now, stepping back a bit, we talked about the origins of the macaroni in Yankee Doodle Dandy. We talked about it briefly in our Shapes of Pasta episode. But just to go over it real quick, because it is... Interesting. This uh, song, this tune, was penned several years before the American Revolution. The first known reference took place in 1767, and music historians believe a British Army surgeon named Dr. Richard Shackberg wrote it, or at least part of it. Um, Supposedly, it was meant to mock colonial soldiers who fought alongside the British and also just to dig to American colonists at large for basically not being very cultured or rich. Um, Mm -hmm. So macaroni in the song referred to this highly fashionable group of English youths in the 1760s and 70s. Think like show-stopping wigs and tight clothes and fancy pointed shoes. Mm Mm-hmm. Very striking. Very Uh, posh, yeah. Yeah, very posh. They made a huge impact on fashion at the time, and apparently their favorite food was macaroni. Can't blame them for that. So people Mm -hmm. started calling them in their movement macaroni and or macaroni eaters. So the diss in the song is, it's, it's not enough to stick a feather in your cap to be a macaroni. Yeah. You got, it takes more. Yeah, you can't just you can't just call anything macaroni. Yeah, you can't fake that Americans <laughs> see through false macaroni facade. <laughs> uh. Up until the opening of America's first cheese factory in 1851, cheese was made on small farms, typically by women. 
either a wife of the farmer um, or a cheese made or an enslaved woman. But with industrialization, beginning with the opening of this very cheese factory, men largely took over the production of cheese in these industrial spaces, mm-hmm. as often happens. Um, processed cheese was invented in 1911, essentially emulsified, uh, blended pasteurized cheese that drastically increased the shelf life, which made way for products like Kraft Singles, Velveeta, and eventually powdered mac and cheese sauce. Uh, This innovation was helpful in terms of feeding soldiers during war and for others who didn't have access to refrigeration. Yeah, um, the U.S. military bought 25 million cans, uh, quarter pound cans of Kraft processed cheese during World War I to ship out soldiers. Dang, dang, dang. Mm -hmm. And Americans went all in on this processed cheese to the point that American cheese to this day denotes processed cheese. Yeah, which if you talk to any American cheese makers, makers right. of cheese who live in America, uh-huh. <laughs> they get they get kind of testy about this. And I can see why. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, and then in 1937, Kraft released their boxed macaroni and cheese. This was during the Great Depression. So the convenience and the 19 cents price really caught the national eye. It was cheap to make. It was easy to ship and to store. It was filling. It was delicious. And it was the first American product to use processed cheese. Within a year, eight or nine million boxes were sold. And I couldn't quite track this down, but I'm nearly positive that these boxes would have come with uh, small tins of cheese sauce. Yeah. Because the the technology for for plastics for for making the type of packets that we see today for for the wet cheese sauces hadn't been invented yet, um, and we were still in a wet sauce stage. I don't know why that sounds so gross. I apologize. <laughs> Can you imagine if they redid like you know the Jurassic period, <laughs> the Cretaceous? <laughs> it's like dry sauce, wet sauce, dry sauce, wet sauce. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> There's so many projects I want to take on after we do these episodes. Mm-hmm. But that's one. Listeners, get on it. You can do it. <laughs> uh, and this this box mac and cheese, its popularity really grew during World War II when rationing limited availability of staples like dairy and meats. Um. Yeah. And World War II did also see the development of cheese powder, for the first time, um, because processed cheese, although shelf-stable, was still heavy um, in this wet era. Um, a, a branch of the army called the Quartermaster Corps had been working with various public and private labs, especially Kraft, um, to uh, to dry and press cheese into a lightweight, nutritious, and tasty dust. Get the water out of there. It's a lot more lightweight. USDA dairy scientist George Sanders is credited with the first successful cheese powder in 1943. And I'm not totally positive when that powder would have made it into macaroni and cheese boxes. But Mm. maybe it was right away. I'm not sure. At any rate. Mm. At any rate. Uh, sales of mac and cheese increased fivefold. By some accounts, 50 million boxes were sold in 1943 alone, or possibly 80 million boxes. I saw that number floating yeah. around. It was a lot of boxes. Lots of boxes. Lot. Mm-hmm. It helped uh, that the company 
convinced the U.S. government to sell two boxes for one ration card. Oh. Yeah, smart. Um, Products like this one also facilitated the ability of women to enter the workplace in higher numbers, these convenient, quick, easy meals. Mm -hmm. But I did want to put in here, I saw some really sassy international articles that were like, oh, those Americans can try to claim mac and cheese all they want with this state with craft, but they can't. And here's X, Y, Z reasons why. <laughs> They're like, we're sorry. Have you been to Switzerland? <laughs> yes. And yeah. it's like a really in-depth. They're like talking about the goats grazing the mountains. I'm like, Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, um, In the 1950s, uh, some brands sold uh, cans of processed cheese um, as specifically macaroni cheese. Oh. Yeah. Uh, The Kraft uh, Blue Box of macaroni and cheese debuted in 1954. Uh, Before that, the box was mostly yellow. Spiral-shaped noodles came out in 1975 and Velveeta shells and cheese in 1984. And then... The friendly, cheesy dinosaur mascot, Cheezosaurus Rex, <laughs> debuted in 1991. Oh, uh, if if y'all missed this, uh, blessedly for some reason, uh, this is this is a bright orange uh, bipedal dinosaur, and he's really into cheese. He's very excited about it. Mm-hmm. He likes sing songs about it. Mm-hmm. He surfs on it because it yes. was 1991. So you mm-hmm. can surf on anything. Yep. He was very active. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he was real cool. He was real cool. His like tagline oh. was like, it's cool to be cheesy. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a voice. I, I can't remember. Um, oh, I think he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, or fortunately, <laughs> uh, the Kool-Aid man is my go-to voice for 90s commercials. Sure. So that's what I hear. But I'm pretty sure he did have a voice. Um, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Because it was all like, it's the cheesiest. Yeah. I yeah, think is exactly. a line that he said. Mm-hmm. And, and Lauren and I were discussing beforehand, <laughs> he really could have only existed in this specific, like, been created. Uh, oh. is better to say uh, this time. It's I I immediately was like nineties, right? It's extremely nineteen ninety one specifically. Yes, yes. And apparently, this was his legit theme song when he was introduced. When he was first introduced, yeah. So I'm not going to sing it, but uh, macaroni and cheese, macaroni and cheese. Oh, the cheese! It may be phony, but that's real macaroni in the macaroni and cheese. So did they just, they were just like, yeah, that cheese is phony, but that mac and, that mac, that mac. mac and cheese. Yeah. We That's got one legit. going for us. What's up? <laughs> phony. <laughs> well, you know, they were just trying, I know, they were just trying to rhyme something with macaroni. Look, when yeah. I'm trying to come up with titles, <laughs> I understand. You make certain compromises and sacrifices oh. that you might not be proud of. But, yeah. wow, they leaned all in mm-hmm. to the phony macaroni and cheese. Um, in later commercials, Cheezosaurus goes to Noodle Town, <laughs> records a song called Cheese Me, and wins a Grammy made of cheese, and just wanted to say belated congrats on your win, Mr. Rex. Well deserved. Yeah, yeah. When um when he first went gold, he was featured on the cover of the magazine Rock and Roni. Um, 
and congrats on that too. It's uh, something that many of us aspire to and so few of us actually uh, make it there. So I believe there were comic books. Um, I... There, in the in the commercial in which he won this cheese Grammy, like he's like singing to a big audience of macaroni noodles. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I recall. <laughs> Every now and then, Lauren, you have such a good delivery of things that you say something, and I'm like, "Is this a joke?" And then I'm like, "What is real life?" <laughs> Rockaroni. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're all in a mac and cheese commercial. I maybe we are. It's <laughs> you're welcome. I'm glad I make you doubt the very nature of existence. <laughs> yes. It's good to keep me on my toes. Who knew Cheesosaurus Rex was going to give me such a perplexing. Uh, crisis. <laughs> I feel like the existential crisis is right there in his smile. I feel like there is. <laughs> You're right. Oh my uh, gosh. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess we need to do more research into that sometime. More horrifying, oh. spiraling research. Yes, but we must know what's up with <laughs> Jesus Saurus Rex. But all right, that's for a later date. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he has any connections to the Kool-Aid man. Oh. But anyway. Yes. Let's talk about Crafts Easy Mat Cups, those things that helped me get through college. Those launched uh, in 2006. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yeah, these are these are microwavable cups that you, uh, you it comes with a little, does it come with a separate little powder packet that you have to open up and add in or is it already all in there? I can't remember now. But anyway, it's already all yeah, you in just there. you just add water, put it in the microwave. Yeah. Done. Yes. I will say not as good quality as the box, but it it does the job. It's very quick cooking macaroni. Yes. So it's a little bit um uh it does it doesn't have the texture. It's not al dente, right. you know? Oh, you gotta have your al dente mac and cheese. <laughs> um Kraft dropped the artificial yellow dye from their boxed mac and cheese mix along with all artificial flavors and preservatives in 2015. They didn't tell anybody for about a year that they'd done this, and they called it, quote, the world's largest blind taste test. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it was in the ingredients label right. if, you, if you took the care to read that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I do want to note here that um, the term artificial is kind of tricksy. Um, it only means that a, that a given ingredient is like human-made using chemistry as opposed to natural ingredients, which are derived from um, plant or animal or fungal or microbial, et cetera, sources. Um, so an artificial flavor may be chemically identical to a natural flavor. Um, natural doesn't necessarily mean healthier or more environmentally friendly or otherwise better in any way, necessarily. Right. Um, you unfortunately have to, like, look at every single case individually, which I understand is exhausting, but yes, that's often what food science is made of. Exhaustion. <laughs> Joy and exhaustion. Mm. Speaking of, um, in 2017, the New York Times published this piece called The Chemicals in Your Mac and Cheese um, that caused a holster 
It was reporting on a study that was put out by a bunch of advocacy groups. The study was not peer-reviewed or published in a journal about this group of industrial compounds called talates, um, showing up in powdered cheese products. Talates, by the way, if you ever, if, if you happen to want to Google more about this, is spelled in the most confusing way possible, which is P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E. And I had to just stop the podcast recording for a moment to go look up how the heck to say that, because that's mm-hmm. not a combination of letters. What is that? No. no. Anyway, <laughs> talates. Um, talates are used in, in manufacturing plastics. Um, and when those plastics are used in the manufacture or packaging of food products, they can leach into those foods, um, especially foods that contain fats, like cheese, because talates latch on to fats. Um, and, and these compounds are linked to hormone disruption, which isn't good. Europe has banned the use of most talates in, in, uh, in making plastics that will come into contact with food. The U.S. has not. And I'm going to say that, like, well, okay, A, your mac and cheese is not the only problem. Like, any cheese product in the United States that has been through a manufacturing facility that uses plastics, yes, including, like, organic or natural or whatever, products um, may contain talates. B, I wouldn't say it's something to worry about too much, um, but it is definitely uh, part of the case for choosing less processed foods when you can. Yes. Yes. Well, perhaps not <laughs> along those same lines. <laughs> Uh, in 2020, Kraft Mac and Cheese held a promotion, I bet a lot of you remember this, uh, announcing that the word dinner would be replaced with the word breakfast on limited edition boxes of their mac and cheese products. And they released these numbers, I can't remember, but it was like a quarter of people surveyed said they ate it for breakfast, and so they were trying to capitalize on that. You know, eat your mac and cheese when you want to eat it. Yeah, but. yeah, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that I mean, that was definitely one of those headlines in 2020 that was like, all right, cool. Corporate America has given up just as much as the rest of us have. Breakfast, <laughs> yeah, mac, mac and cheese for breakfast, whatever. That's fine. Yes. We're fine. Everything's fine here now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And speaking of kind of uh, nihilistic marketing campaigns. (laughs) Excellent. At the beginning of this year, 2021, um, Kraft launched this campaign involving pink-hued, candy-flavored mac and cheese. They made a thousand boxes of this stuff. You know, like their their normal mac and cheese, but also includes a candy-flavor packet. And you could enter a drawing online to receive one, though I'm not sure why you would do that, <laughs> other See, than pure curiosity. I feel like I, uh, you know, maybe I get the pink dye, but when I heard it was candied flavor, that was what made me stop. Like, okay, what? Right, right. Well, because it was kind of for Valentine's Day, and I was like, well, that's sort of cute. Like, sure, like, why why orange? Why not neon pink instead? That's fine. <laughs> But then when I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's certainly this year, as we've discussed, I feel like companies have kind of gone all out in odd promotional <laughs> choices. Uh-huh. I can't remember which one, but it might have been the Panera Bread Bowl hands gloves. Oh. Huh. One of my friends. No, it was the um, Ritz cracker. It was the huge Ritz cracker that was the cheese board. Oh, huh. I texted it out 
And one of my friends was like, I tried to get it, but you have to win it. And I'm like, so these things, not only you can't just get them. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, In uh, (laughs) there were there were a lot of write ups about this pink candy flavored mac and cheese. Uh, (laughs) The the one that um, uh, won uh, Jaya Saxena wrote for Eater included the line, um, Kraft, in an explanation for its crimes, says, love makes people do strange things. Which, no, love makes people listen to their partner's podcasts. <laughs> and, I, and I felt very seen and kind of personally <laughs> attacked by that. So, thank you, Jaya. Yes. Thank you. That does crack me up when I hear my friends kind of uh, complaining about this sort of thing, and I'm like silent in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love an explanation for its crimes. That's great too. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a very it was a very well written diss piece overall. <laughs> <laughs> diss track in the food world. We a lot of them. A lot of them coming up. <laughs> Wow. Well, oh, geez, I feel like we've uncovered so many more things to say about macaroni and cheese, but alas, we have to stop at some point. We do. You know, maybe we can maybe we can do a sequel uh, uh, <gasps> involving all these side quests. The mac and cheesening. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Uh, so that, that is what we have to say about mac and cheese for today. Yes, but we do have some listener mail for you. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. Yeah, uh, Westholm sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. <laughs> 
Westholm offers these beautifully marbled stakes because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. Father's Day is coming, a day we celebrate the guy who's always there for us to crack a dad joke. Well, you know what's not a dad joke? Getting $50 off the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker with the purchase of his favorite cocktail capsule pack. $50 off. No dad joke. See, this is a dad joke. I lost my glasses today, and guess who I bumped into? Everyone. But the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's no joke. Each cocktail capsule contains real fruit juices and all-natural bitters, so Dad can make over 60 premium cocktails he loves. Sidecars, old fashions, gimlets, all with the push of a button. So, for the dad who loves a cocktail with friends and a good joke from time to time, get the Bartesian Premium Cocktail Maker. $50 off now until Father's Day. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash father to get 50 off the best premium cocktail maker for dad at the best price for you. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Cheesy 90s. <laughs> I don't know. I should have. Oh. I wish I'd listened to Cheezosaurus Rex, his hit song, before I attempted this. But I, I, feel, like, I feel like you <laughs> captured um, uh, the emotion anyway. Thank you. Yeah. It was beautiful work of art. It were no. finger guns. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Samantha wrote, I just listened to your Campbell's Soup episode, and I have a personal connection to this particular topic I had to share. A couple years ago, I was on a few dating apps. If you haven't used them before, they're a mess. Read absolute show. So <laughs> to make the process a little more bearable, I jotted down some of the gems I came across in bios and messages that were sent to me. I would commiserate with my best friend, and it would make us laugh. Two of the most memorable things that guys opened with were as follows. What's your favorite kind of soup? From Adam, 24. And damn, you're really cute. Definitely an eye catcher. Next message, like Campbell's. Mm-mm, good. <laughs> From Mark, 29. Um, luckily, oh, and these are their ages, not their, <laughs> their names. Not their, like, screen names <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luckily, between messages like that and the constant bombardment of quotes from the office, I found my person. Uh, a, 
Yes. A portion of his bio was defending his love of zebra print, and I thought he seemed almost obnoxiously honest. We're celebrating our two-year anniversary in a few days. Oh, that's that's fascinating. And I'm I'm glad you got out. <laughs> yes, yes. Congratulations. That's so yeah. that's such a great story. But yeah, I have to say I've I've gotten a lot of bad pickup lines in my day, but I don't think I've ever gotten a soup-based pickup line. I'm really trying to think. Uh and I and I also don't think I have. I would love to know how common they are. I mean, is this a thing? Right? Right? People write yeah. in let us know about your soup-based pickup lines. Yeah. I I wonder I wonder if OKCupid is still like really farming, if they A still exist and B, if they're still farming all of their users' data and like really using it for like kind of like social experiments still um because uh yeah they had some reports on like the way people would interact with each other that were fascinating made me feel real weird about having ever been on that website Um, (laughs) but but i feel like i feel like if anyone could tell us it's some someone like them how -hmm. many soup related pickup lines there are in the world this is i need to know Mm mm-hmm Unrelated. Uh, Brian wrote, Your story of having dinner with the Disney princesses also reminded me of my own Disney-related story. In 2012, my family went on a trip to Paris, and while we were there, we stopped at Euro Disney. We had a week of delicious food, but the food in your Disney was overpriced. I'm in a wheelchair, so me and my sister tried to do all the excess full rights. Uh, Because I was in a wheelchair, we cut short lines— There was one event we lined up for, though we weren't really sure what it was. We gradually saw a long line of little girls and realized it was the line to see a Disney princess. It was extremely embarrassing, and I quickly took a picture with the princess and got out of there. The event is now known as the Princess Incident. (laughs) The Princess Incident is a good name. (laughs) I hope you got the picture, you know? I love looking back at the pictures of our... Our evening. <laughs> yeah. They're they're very fascinating. It it was fascinating is a great word for it. Yes. Cause we yeah, I was like in my running gear next oh, to like yeah. Ariel. <laughs> like holding up a fork, like it's a dangle hopper. Like, yeah, yeah. like the- <laughs> Yeah. That was our princess incident. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, I, it's it's been bugging me that I forgot to mention during this Disney Cinderella's Castle story. I forgot to mention one of my favorite, really surreal parts was that during the dinner, the way that they would announce that more princesses were coming to the floor to circulate and meet you was that they would ring a giant gong. <laughs> So this like gong would ring and princesses would appear like more and more princesses. And it was so strange. It was. And and we didn't know how many were coming. Yeah. And we didn't realize that I guess there's this expectation that you'll get the picture. So we were kind of like, oh, we're good. And they were like, no. They're like, they're like, no, no, I need you to take this picture with me. <laughs> And we were like, okay, Jasmine. like that. <laughs> Which we eventually warmed up to. But at first we were just very like, oh, it's all yeah, right. Yeah, like we're chill. And they were like, no, we're here to make sure. And I think even, I think like even like a, like a, one of the wait staff stopped by our table to like make sure that we were like doing okay. They were yeah. like, hey, we hear from our princesses that you're like not too into the photos. Like, are you having a bad time? <laughs> 
We want you to have a good time. Like a dungeon in Cinderella's castle. Right. I'll take the photos. (laughs) You, it says. (laughs) We could have never been seen again. That was a good time. <laughs> it was. No, it really was. It was it was magical. I promise. <laughs> no one forcing us to say that. No. Um, <laughs> thanks so much to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All three. Our handle is SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.